0: I'm Kristen Birdwell, and this is Sex, Drugs, and Soul. Join me in welcoming Natalie Ava Nasser. Natalie is a Saudi-born Lebanese and Danish actress and filmmaker based in London. Some of her recent acting work includes HBO's comedy show, Avenue 5, and Sony's Horizon Forbidden West, Although today we are here to talk about her latest film, which she wrote, directed, and acted in, entitled Annie Shared Her Location, a short docu-narrative based on different women's experiences with gender-based violence. (sighs) I feel like I need to breathe after that. (laughs) The the film is poignant with several high-profile attacks against women in the last couple of years and will certainly be difficult viewing for many. We acknowledge that this content may be difficult, and we encourage you to care for your safety and well-being. Mm, yes, and it. Was, I do have to say it was uh, difficult, but I also think needed to watch it, um, and I would love to find or dive into what inspired you to write it and direct it and kind of go through some of your creative process, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on your yeah. podcast show. I'm very excited to be here um and to talk to you I feel like it's just always super easy to you know have conversations with you about everything um but yeah um so I wrote this film about a year and a half ago um yeah. after I'd heard about many different sort of kidnappings of women in my area in London um Ooh. Not just kidnappings, but also kidnappings mixed with women who were being just raped on their walks home. And I started getting increasingly more afraid of walking home alone at night. So I started sort of like clutching my keys in between in my fist. And I started like pretending to talk to my friends on the phone and wearing more conservative clothing and essentially. Adopt adapting my behaviors um and implementing these safety measures into my behaviors in order to keep myself safe and normalizing the behaviors of the abusers and the attackers and that's when i sort of realized like okay <laughs> something needs to change here i we can't keep living in fearing and and adapting our behavior so that we can keep ourselves safe from potentially being raped like that that doesn't make any sense why do we live in this in in this type of society
0: yeah god there's so much there too i want to go I, i think that's a great place to insert the quote that's at the end of your film um because it's like if a woman feels responsible for her own safety and the actions of abusers that she cannot control she then will feel the burden of responsibility heavy upon her if something does happen to her her safety planning didn't work but should this even be her responsibility I think that's Royce and Ross. Do you remember your first time? It's like, wow, it kind of gives me chills because it has been so normalized. Like, I remember that scene where she clutches the keys and I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah. How many times do, you know, we adapt our behavior and it's just become like second nature or we don't give that much thought to it. Um,
1: exactly, exactly. It's just like unconsciously implemented into our everyday lives. And we're just taught to sort of normalize it and, and live that way. And, you know, the first question that the police ask if if a rape victim walks into the station is, what were you wearing? And were you drunk? And immediately, they feel like it's their fault for what happened. And um, I think that's the, I mean the main reason why women don't speak up and even in the last sort of scene in my film i i implemented a a very short sequence of a woman sort of walking out of a forest and it alluded to that she had just been sexually harassed in the forest and she sort of is walking out and she can't breathe and she's shocked and and devastated and she tries to call um someone in my mind she tries to call her mom but then decides very quickly to sort of shut the phone and not tell anyone because she thinks to herself who's even going to believe me and then she Mm -hmm. takes this deep breath in and walks out into the public park and just decides I'm just gonna I'm just Mm -hmm. gonna act normal because I don't know if anything will actually if anyone will help me or or you know if a change will happen yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh that really makes me want to cry because I feel
0: like so many people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Mm. So many women feel that way.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, a, it's a heavy subject that we're talking about here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But I, I guess to go back to your initial question about what had sparked me or the inspiration to even write this, like, yes, I was tired of, you know, you know, ad- adapting my behaviors. And yes, I was tired of society. I was tired of being afraid. Um, I was tired of all of that. But then I, I remember having a very vivid dream of something terrible happening to me. And then I sort of woke up in the middle of the night and was feeling very creative. I think there are so many artists out there that feel super creative in the middle of the night. It's like that state where you're right between, Conscious and unconsciousness, and i I feel very creative during that time, so I immediately woke up and I was like i'm gonna write this script and and that's really wh- when it started um and then I just started it going around and talking to my friends about it and eventually contacted different women that I didn't know um through rape crisis centers who were willing to share their stories very honorably and and very courageously um and some of all of the stories in Annie shared her location are based on all of these different women's real life experiences and yeah. And that's how the script was um, born essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel
0: like creativity too, can be like such a catalyst for change. It's like, so yes, we are fed up with this. Yes. We, but it also can be like a great, now, I am mean, having conversation or like offering opportunities that may have not happened before, like bringing things to awareness, and so I'm glad you fall on that little lightning strike of inspiration in <laughs> the middle of the night, which I think totally resonates with me. Um, <laughs> how long? Okay, so you said about a year and a half ago you wrote it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, how long were you like writing and researching it?
1: Um. Oh, good question. I. I think, it, I think I did the research and writing part for about two months. I researched okay. for about um, uh, six weeks and then the writing came at the end of all of the research. I, I was actually on holiday <laughs> with my boyfriend and we were staying in the middle of nowhere for two weeks. And it was kind of perfect because there was nobody around us and all we were doing was relaxing. So I just decided to write the script then and there and... And yeah. And then I came back, showed it to my producers who were already on board because they liked the subject matter and kind of just flew from there. And then everything just started speeding up. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I guess we're doing this.
0: (laughs) I love it. And then so start to finish, what was the timeframe? Just to give people an idea, because I love to use this as a platform to encourage creative expression too. Mm -hmm. Um, And just kind of like
1: give some insight. Yeah, I know for sure. Um so yeah, so two months I guess total for the research and writing phase and then uh, within the then the p- sort of pre-production phase of actually getting all of the producers and the cast and the crew together, going location scouting and all of that kind of stuff took about 3 months. This is a short film, so it's only it's only 13 minutes and um 3 months was apparently um It wasn't even. It wasn't even, you know, a a short amount of time. I mean, a a long amount of time. People were saying that we were doing it very slowly, and usually it takes a lot. Yeah, it takes like a month to do something. But yeah, we took we took around three months. We really wanted to take our time with finding the perfect locations, casting the perfect people who were, you know, obviously willing to uh, dive into these characters that had gone through all of these um, her horrifying scenes. Um, actually some of my actors played themselves. So played their own Ooh, stories sure. as well. Yeah. Oh, I know
0: how yeah. I was so curious if there was any like, mm-hmm. little, or, or like any stories that were portrayed by people or that any of the people that you interviewed or talked about their experiences, if some of those came through to like be in the film, I was curious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we did we st- we did have a couple um one of the girls in in the scene where she's sort of walking down the street and the guy drives up to her and sort of screams at her to get in his car that actually happened to her. So that was her story. And mm-hmm. um yeah, she told me that the experience felt very cathartic for her, which is obviously really great but also empowering to sort of scream back at a man and tell him no, I won't get in your car, you crazy person. I mean, she didn't say those exact words, but um but yeah, I did have a few very brave women who were willing to come on board and share their own personal stories and play themselves, um which was really cool.
0: Um
1: yeah, and then we filmed it. It took 3 days to film. Um that was that happened very quickly. Um and it was very stressful but also very thrilling, and then post-production took a year. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We're we're done. I will say that. So (laughs) what what hurdles did you overcome through that year-long process or what did that all entail for those that don't have, you know, an awareness about any of the post-production aspects?
1: Yeah. um, Well, usually post-production, I don't think it takes that long, especially for a short film. I think the reason why it took so long – was because there were so many different um like heads of um heads that were on board the project so there was myself and then um my creative producer and then a couple of other like associate producers and then the director of photography and we had so many different people so we had you know a sound guy doing the post sound and a composer making the music and our editor and our colorist and Um, there's so many different people that are involved in like making the film what it is. So post-production just naturally will take a long time when there are so many different pieces of the Mm -hmm. puzzle that you sort of have to put into place and people have different schedules and different opinions on what they want. And it took some time to sort of communicate that with each other via email because all of, all of my people who were involved in post-production live all over the world. So there was also, um, time difference to sort of keep in mind and, and stuff like that, um, but I'm happy it took that long, in a sense, because we we wanted it to, you know, be perfect. Well, nothing's ever going to be perfect. And as a creative, you're always going to look at your work and think, um, what could I have done better? Which I definitely did think and still do think. Um, but it it definitely got to a place where we were all happy with it, which is all that mm-hmm. matters, I think.
0: Yeah, and especially, I feel like it's in a way, too, that time honors the, the subject matter. Mm-hmm like perhaps you and like like diving into it and like even to be like to be able to speak on it and and so many different things um so backing up I guess to the research process what all did you do while you were researching I know you mentioned like talking to people at different rape centers or rape crisis centers is that where you uh were led to first or how did you um approach it
1: yeah um also a good question um (laughs) I so like I said, yeah. I, I interviewed different women. I t- I spoke to some of my friends first mm. and got them to tell me a little bit about their personal experiences because, I mean, I'm not I wasn't surprised by this, and it's a very sad fact. But I think nine out of ten of every woman that I spoke to had experienced some sort of sexual harassment in their lifetime. Um, I mean, and sexual harassment doesn't just include, um, rape. It includes catcalling, groping, mm-hmm. receiving unsolicited photos. It receive—it it includes all of these other things that we don't talk about as much and are actually the things that are the main sort of topic within my film. Um, Because I think that if we don't focus on those little things, then it eventually leads to the bigger things. And that's what perpetuates rape culture. So I think if we start calling out the little things, saying no to people who are ca- calling us, even though that's really difficult, I don't even do it all the time, because I'm scared for my life sometimes. But if if we normalize starting to, to do those things and saying no to those unsolicited photos, then, you know, maybe we can begin to dismantle rape culture. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, that's a whole tangent that I, I can go down later. I'm gonna go back to your question. Um, sorry, <laughs> We're <good. laughs> very passionate about this subject. Um, what was your question <laughs> about the research? Yeah, right, going right, and research. Like um, and then, and then I, I I called some different rape crisis centers around the UK, which is where I live, and um, I had a really good uh, conversation with Royzen and Ross, who was the woman who. We quoted at the beginning of the podcast, um, who worked at Solace Women, who's this, which is this organi- rape crisis organization in the UK, and she was kind enough to share um, different stories that had been shared with her from different anonymous um, ser- victims and, and survivors of, of rape, and that was essentially what a lot of what inspired a lot of my stories. So I wanted to make sure that. And um, every type of situation was implemented into the film, as well as every type of woman, um, whether, you know, that be by age or, or race or, you know, background, culture, uh, nationality. I wanted every single type of woman to be represented and every type of story to also be implemented into the film to show that it's a, a global issue, but also that it encompasses so much. Um mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then I love what you touched on too about, say, like making the smaller X or, you know, or creating the no around it sooner. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, yeah, sometimes there is, like, if you will be given it, sometimes people take a mile. And so if you apply that to, you know, those smaller no's, would some people feel as inclined to do, you know, a more harsh? if they weren't given the leniency that they were in the beginning.
1: Exactly. That right? Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Did
0: I say that right? <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's
1: exactly right. It's just like if we say no earlier on, then people won't even dare to do the others. Not, not that the earlier, not that the other things are aren't as bad or anything like that because right. they are bad yeah. and they do harm us mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. and psychologically. Like those are, those aren't okay either, but hopefully uh. if we say no to those to to those things, like you've been saying, then the other things won't won't happen. And so many of the things that were to in
0: the film, I don't know how much you want me to doubled, but I was like resonated. I am like, okay, that's happened. Feels that's me. happened. Guys, listen, I don't want an unsolicited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't. I don't want it. Um, And I thought it was interesting too to have the perspective of someone um, of a woman that did think it was okay, or there did, didn't phase her. I will say that, or in my opinion, and it occurred to me that it did not phase her. Um, and just kind of have like that portrayal on it or that, um, perspective on it too. And then of course the cat calling, I remember, I think I remember the, it brought up memories or is bringing it up now of, you know, that the first time I remember getting, um, unsolicited or like made my, my body was made into like a sexualized object without my knowing or, or permission, um, Mm -hmm. Younger, like as a coming into a teenager, and so, and I have a, a distinct memory of like walking at this event or fair, and and getting the attention or comments or that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, and then you start to feel like you have to perform, you know, this role for the male gaze, and that yeah. takes a whole toll on your psyche, especially when you're developing um as I'm a young woman. It. I mean, I don't like going into the whole like. You know, having to look a certain way and, you know, having the big butt and the big boobs and all the plastic surgery and all of that, like it's, it's so many women feel myself included feel like, you know, you're you're never enough and you're never you're not worthy and you're you won't be accepted by society if you don't look a certain way because we live in a man's world. And and unfortunately, all that really matters is how you appear physically. Yeah, and that goes back to, obviously, sexualizing women. Um, mm-hmm. And buy our products if you don't feel enough. Exactly. exactly. We're also going to sell you
0: all these different things. Exactly. So that'll, that'll quote-unquote, fix your <laughs>
1: – your... That'll, quote-unquote, make you more attainable and, yeah. you know, make you more successful and make you happier. It's like, What? why, why would this new hair color make me happier? (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's been the whole sort of subject and about like, where confidence sort of comes into play. Because obviously, if you do have a new hairdo, and it makes you feel great, and you're more confident, then that exudes some sort of happiness, which I'm all for 100%. Mm -hmm. But I think that we need to change the narrative and make sure that people start to understand that happiness comes from within and not from changing your outer appearance and that you can exude that same type of confidence and happiness without having to do all of that.
0: Yeah. And are you doing, are you doing those things because you want them or because it's been thrown at you from society or relationships or some external factor? Exactly. Coming back to that home base and really like, you know, questioning and like, are you choosing with discernment? Are you choosing intentionally?
1: Yeah, and are you doing it for yourself, or are you doing it to please male gaze? And you know, a lot of things, times we don't realize why we're doing things. It's all subconscious. Um, yeah, and even like the 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 scene with receiving the unsolicited um dick pic. You mentioned the woman or the girl, the school girl, who sort of. It, it, saw that her friend had received it and it didn't really phase her and I mean I was probably that girl in middle school who just kind of wanted to be cool and and you know would shrug my shoulders if I received it because I wanted the guys to think that I was just a chill guys girl and I didn't care about that kind of stuff but actually it probably did affect me and I was just trying to deny that um and so that was sort of where that was coming into play to play and um i think that maybe the girl just didn't even realize how much it affected her but just sort of like said that it it didn't
0: yeah that's a good point because i probably acted the similar like i would have acted unfazed to keep the peace mm-hmm. or like but did i really actually want it
1: exactly exactly <laughs> i mean, I, re- I remember receiving one when i was 13 Do you when, yeah, I was on MSN. Do you remember MSN? God, I oh feel so yeah. like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm 26. So yes, to some people, to some Gen Zs, I am old. Although I'm on the cusp, I think, between Gen Z and whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyways, I had an MSN account, you know, chatting with whatever, all these people and thinking you're cool when, and being excited to chat to boys that you like and whatever, or girls, whatever. And... I was talking to a friend of mine and he just sends me a photo of his dick and he was like three years older than me. I don't know why he was chatting to a 13 year old and I was like shocked. It was the first time that I'd ever seen a photo, a, a, a male penis that wasn't like on TV or, you know, my brother's when I was like three years old or something. And I was like, I was just shocked. I didn't know what to do. And I stepped away from my laptop and I mean... I don't even, I don't know how that psychologically disturbs me now, but I just, I vividly remember that and thinking I did not want this and just not responding to the guy. Cause I was just so, I felt so yeah. uneasy. It's
0: like, well, you didn't know then that you even had a boundary around it until mm-hmm. it was crossed.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You're like, I didn't even know what boundaries were. And if you're living in a world where that is normalized, which it still is, then you know, you don't even have the narrative to even say that it's disturbing or that it's not okay because you don't even understand that it's not okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you do want a dick pic, I'm just going to insert this. Yeah. <laughs> can, that is, uh, if that's aligned with you, the cool. Line. Yeah. So fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still think there should, ne- there should be like consent.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There should be consent all the, with everything, including mm-hmm. including dick pics,
0: <laughs> even in like the, the Tantra thing that, that mm-hmm. I do a couple months ago, like consent was like a big piece of it. Um, and there's so much to dive into there, but I'm mean, like, that's like one of the key pillars, I think, is consent. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you're relating with like more than one person, or you know, I don't know, exploring options, um, because some people think like. Tantra, open sex, open everything. Well, no, it's like consent and up to your individual boundaries and liberties and all of that and agreements. Um, so I just wanted to insert that there too. And um, no, yeah,
1: I want to hear more about that. I, 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 I feel free to talk more about that if if you want to. Um, it is definitely.
0: Well, I think it's like a, a, an honoring of boundaries. Like, like you said, mm-hmm. I didn't know I, th- this whole boundary thing is like brand new for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. less
0: like six months a year, I guess, as far as like communicating my boundaries to other people. Maybe I navigated some situations myself or was, you know, efforted in some ways to keep me safe, but like, I like really getting clear, like what I need, desire, fear, and then communicating that and like listening to myself. So I think that that's, one thing.
1: Have you ever been in situations where you've expressed or yeah, it's sort of defined your your boundaries and they were disrespected? Sorry, I if that's a bad that question is TMI, don't don't answer. No,
0: nothing with TMI me. with me. I feel like I am
1: a book. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then it helps with
0: all the shame from past years. <laughs> but, uh, boundaries violated and they've been expressed. Uh, They've been tested for sure. I will say they've been tested or if I've, I've gone recently, I expressed like, I didn't want this, you know, situation, which was like potentially bringing in a friend to uh, this current relationship dynamic that I'm exploring. And, and then that was tested. And Mm. then I, I expressed like, Hey, I communicated this to you. I kind of feel like you're testing my boundaries. And, and so there was a whole conversation about that. Um, I would say though, I mean, like I, ideally though, you want to interact and be with people that respect and honor boundaries and, you know, and I do think that they, they can shift moment to moment in some ways. Cause I did mm. experience like what was a no for me became a yes in the moment. And like, so there was a little bit of the fluidity, um, and like, because it came from within me, not from external pressure for yeah. it to shift. yeah. Um, so that's another like distinction.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, that's a good point. Cause I feel like, and in in the same vein, right? Like it it can start out with a yes and then quickly turn into a no. And that's totally, that's a boundary as well that people need to, I've been in, in countless situations like that where I said yes, or sort of, I guess maybe didn't say the words yes, but I initiated that I was, you know, open to having a sexual, you know, experience with this person. And and then felt immediately uncomfortable and said no, and then still felt pressured to go ahead with whatever it was and and did Mm. and just felt really gross and yucky. And, and also a little bit ashamed um, at myself, which is shame is like, it's such a, I think that's one of the main themes here that comes into play with um, women and men who are victims and survivors of sexual assault it's it's the shame that surrounds it and that sits with you and that guilt that you feel responsible for all of the stuff that happened because you might have invited it inwards Mm. um oh true
0: I mean like I think I feel like you just described my virginity losing scenario because I went into it like mm. I, I guess changed my mind then no, then acquiesced and relented or like, you know, gave in yeah. and then yeah. definitely felt the shame and responsibility and, and guilt or whatever, um, or, or, absorbed all of that and took that on as my story for a long time.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I want to hear more about that. Did, was that, is that going to be included? Was that included in your book or? Briefly. briefly. Okay. I don't know if okay. I've expanded
0: on it, but I definitely touch in like how i because that formulated so much of my sexual interactions after that when my no wasn't a no um then moving forward it's like i would turn my head or like check out for a while yeah i would not I, mean, I wasn't having like a connected sexual experience i was like okay well i get this this is what i'm going to do to feel safe or something I yeah guess. consciously I, it was not conscious but it just turned to this like disassociating thing
1: yeah yeah that's that's a really interesting point that you make or not point but it's yeah it's disassociating like by turning away is definitely something that i think a lot of people can relate to mm-hmm. um cuz i did that i did that as well when when it's happened to me i just kind of like turn away and then um and then it usually happens from behind and then you're like oh this is this is not what i wanted that's not mm-hmm. why i turned away but yeah. okay <laughs> no yeah, pun intended I- <laughs>
0: You know, part of my mission, I think, is to help people alleviate or free themselves from some of the sexual shame that comes um, from whether that's external or whether that arises from a situation like sexual assault or abuse. And that's a topic in and of itself. Like for me, it was openness or sharing, you know, quote unquote secret with with people or someone else. I don't think it has to be as extreme as sharing it with as many people that I have, but I also am aiming to help liberate a lot of people. Um, and I know that I liberated myself from it.
1: Really. Yeah. By sharing your story yeah. and talking about it. Well, yeah, I definitely think that's one very important way to do it. Um, I mean, Art as well, I think, is also one way to do it, to express yourself. It helps sort of like alleviate it, whether that's through writing or filmmaking or acting. Like my, you know, um, one of my actors who said that it was cathartic to, you know, to be in that scene again and to, to feel it out again. And she felt really liberated after that. Um, and
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And through dancing as well. Personally, I, I think similar to you, I like to write about it and I feel a lot better after. I'd I'd love to journal. I think that's my main sort of way to really liberate myself from any shame or guilt or um, sexually like liberate myself as well. Um, Acting is another way. In some ways it can be quite cathartic. I mean, you're an actor as well. I don't know if you have a similar experience. I think it's difficult because a lot of times, you know, when you act, unless you're, um, you know, method actor people tell you not to bring the work home with you and they tell you to sort of like feel it then and there not to you know to make that character the character not to bring in your own personal experiences so that it doesn't harm your emotional and and, and psychological self and um, and i definitely did that at first you know i was one of those actors when i was younger who would be in a scene where you know I don't know it, my friend dies and I think to myself oh okay I can think about the time when my dog died and <laughs> that'll sort of like initiate all of these feelings and I realized very quickly that that was just harming me more and that I should just you know fall into these um imaginary uh, situations as these characters because a then that's also just um more real and respectful to the writer and the, the character that you are playing. Um, and B, it's just less emotionally damaging for yourself. So mm. there's that sort of weird line with acting where it can be cathartic and it can be great. And especially if you, you are playing yourself in your story, then sure, for of course. But if you're playing an imaginary situation and you're bringing all of your own personal trauma into that, then I think that that could be a little bit dangerous in some ways. Yeah. I don't know, do you agree? that makes sense.
0: I could see where it lingers. I've definitely like accessed or, you know, it's probably one of the quickest ways to force emotion. <laughs> quickest doesn't always mean the most healthy <laughs> way <laughs> to get there emotionally. And also I feel like that's kind of, yeah, you're right. It's imposing your experience onto someone's um, character, right? Or, yeah, or your maybe that's part of it too. I, there's like t- different lenses to look at it. And I don't know if one is better than the other, like, unless you analyze how you feel afterwards. And if that feeling is your feedback for what you've done and the actions that you've taken in acting, <laughs> <laughs> then, then listen to that. So if you channel like some experience personally and portrayed mm-hmm. it and you're left with, you know, feeling murky or the, the emotion is lingering or it feels heavier, maybe analyze that or come to that awareness. Like maybe there's a different approach that one could take. Um, and then vice versa, like, does the other one feel lighter? Does it feel like you were able to, to yeah. go there and have, like, be on a journey versus like, in some ways I could see where putting your experience on it isn't a way of controlling it too.
1: If you do have that, you know, bottled inside of you and you want to release that, that's great. I think it's so powerful to yeah. sort of, you know, express your emotions and, and rather than bottling it in, but then if True. that's what you're feeling when you're performing, then, Try to do it outside of performance as well, you know, like talk to someone about it, scream into your pillow, you know, wanna run and shout at, you know, scream at the world or journal about it or dance like in your room yeah. and let it all out. <laughs> yeah.
0: One that helped me too is like boxing. <laughs> boxing,
1: yes. Boxing. Mm. I box as well and it's it's great. I feel mm. like it's a new fad. A lot of people nowadays started boxing.
0: I love it. I don't know. Sometimes even like a couple of years ago, I would like, if I had like a disgruntled thing or like had some like angst in me or anger, I'd be like, let me box this. <laughs> may or may not have been sometimes when I was in a relationship and like trying to get out some aggression.
1: <laughs> yes. I'm, ve- I'm here for it. I think that's a, a great way to let out your aggression. Just like picture that person and just like box that punching bag. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I think it goes back to, you know, some of the things that are, okay, women are kind of sometimes put in this box of you're not supposed to feel this feeling or you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to feel this way or, you know, in a way of giving yourself permission to accessing and processing all of the emotions.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. That's such a good point. You know, women are supposed to be feminine and you're not supposed to have aggression and you're not supposed to, whereas like when men get into a fight or do anything that you know, shows some of their aggression, then it's, it's hot, or it's, cool and it's masculine. macho. And it's like, why yeah. can't I mean, we, we have, you know, that we all have a little bit of feminine, femininity and some masculinity within all of us, you know, and sometimes you want to bring that out. You know, I have some days where I'm just, I feel like I feel my masculine energy, and I just want to portray that. And I think that that should also be more normalized i mean i think we're moving towards that as i mean at least in the western world um we can dive into because i grew up in the middle east there's very behind there
0: (laughs) i would love to dive into that and i also feel that creativity is like this blend or balance of the masculine and the feminine energies themselves like the masculine Mm -hmm. is like the action the feminine is like the idea that is being carried through or put or A a friend of mine uh, described it as taking this feminine creative idea and passing it over to the masculine to carry out. Mm. Um, I love that imagery to go with it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And I'd love to dive into how is it creating from the Middle East or did any of that pressure to create or show up in certain ways dissipate through the act of creating or yeah, let's just dive into it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: um it definitely is sort of launched my passion for I think gender politics and gender studies in general and and feminism I was a um I studied gender studies in at Mm. college alongside sort of theater and and film and um so it's definitely something that I've always been super passionate about and I think it's because you know I did so I grew up I was born in Saudi Arabia and then I grew up in lebanon and the moment i was i'll just start with this i'll sort of i'll introduce it like this um, yeah. i was born- when i was born I have three older brothers and when I was born um my doctor sort of took my dad aside um and was like sir i have i have really bad news and my dad you know his heart just sunk his stomach dropped he 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 thought that maybe I had died or there was something wrong with my mom and Doctor was like, I'm so sorry, sir, but you know, after three men, I'm so sorry to say it's a girl. And my dad was like, I could punch you right now. I, if I could trade all my boys for girls, I would. I've always wanted a girl, but yeah, so that's kind of like how that's that was the first, the first little words that were uttered when I was, (laughs) which well, hearing that as a, a kid. Multiple times because my parents sort of would tell this story multiple times to their friends at dinner parties and stuff. It I think it 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 really like it lit the fire and then they it it kept adding fume to the fire and then having the three older brothers and, you know, growing up in Lebanon, which is a little bit more progressive than the other Middle Eastern countries when it comes to gender politics for sure, but it still is definitely behind in a lot of ways, and and with other things as well, obviously, but um but yeah growing up there I definitely i felt very i felt like my entire identity as a woman was to was shaped by what i looked like physically mm. um and so there there was a lot of pressure to sort of like do my makeup up from a young age and get my hair done and you know put a lot of focus on my physical appearance um and that in a way not that i was ever told this but in a way that I think made me think subconsciously that that was all that mattered. And that was Mm. how I was valuable to the world. If, if I was pretty enough or sexy enough or whatever. So that was definitely something that I I lived with a lot with. And so I, I always had these, I, I remember, sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I remember walking home at night with a friend of mine and, I You get catcalled quite a lot in Lebanon, especially in the neighborhood that I, you know, went to high school in, um, which is in this little neighborhood called Hamra in Beirut. And um, I remember walking home and having like a skirt on and, you know, a tank top. And we had just been like out for drinks. Everyone starts drinking quite early there. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I got catcalled quite a lot. And you kind of just brush it off because you're so used to it, which is also very problematic, obviously. Um And get home and my friend kind of told me like, and I was like, oh, I hate men. Like I hate when they can't call you like it's so disrespectful. Like I should be able to wear what I want. And she was like, yeah, but in the same vein, like a lot of men haven't seen a lot of skin before. They haven't seen women wearing short skirts. So to them, it's shocking. So you should just respect that by wearing more conservative clothing. And I was like, what? And I remember thinking that that was a really weird way to think that I should be adapt like wearing mm-hmm. conservative clothing so that the men can feel comfortable, mm-hmm. so that they aren't, so that they don't get horny. And I was like, this is shocking that this is the type of like mindset that that is is just like the general worldview uh, over here. Um. Mm. I, I do want to also add that Lebanon's a ga- great country and I love it so much in in so many ways, but d- it's definitely behind when it comes to, um, you know, feminist issues for sure. And I I yeah. can you know, talk about that for days, but
0: I can see where that upbringing or that experience tied directly into the film too. And like I feel like mm-hmm. it's like a full circle conversation that we're having. Yeah. so I don't think we'll
1: it's <laughs> a <laughs> I'm like, wow,
0: okay. <laughs> That. <laughs> it's
1: all linked it's all linked it's just Every it's been second. coming i want yeah. i want this to be a theme in my films but i mean yeah. so do you 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 know are talking about creating your next project which is tackling not the same issue but sort of in the same theme we don't in have, have to talk about it if you don't want to but
0: no we can go there later
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. oh oh so side note where can people watch your film
1: um so it's actually not publicly released yet. Um, oh,
0: when will it be released? Really? Okay.
1: Um we just had the private screening for um like cast and crew and mm-hmm. some invited guests last weekend um which was awesome. We had some panelists involved in that as well who sort of talked a little bit about um sexual harassment and and sexual violence and rape and how they sort of like help young women and men um through their their trauma and um, anyways mm-hmm. I, the, it's going through the festival circuit right now and okay. I don't know how long that's going to take it usually takes about a year to go through like all the festivals and then after that it can be publicly released
0: okay. so something to stay tuned in and tapped into you for Curious what some of the panelists said for someone that you know, has experienced one or more of these things, or were they speaking from the viewpoint of that it's recent and like how to approach it or how to
1: heal or what did they say? I'm curious. If there's any um, yeah. Um. So they both work at separate women's organizations. Um. One of them, one of the women, uh, works at uh, the North London Rape Crisis Centre, and the other one works at the Iranian and Kurdish Women's Rights Organization. And so mm-hmm. both of them work with young women who are victims or and survivors of um, sexual assault and rape and sexual violence. And they are more there as counseling and therapeutic services to talk to these survivors through their trauma when the survivors don't necessarily, um, or maybe do, but don't necessarily feel comfortable enough to, you know, talk to, um the police about it, and maybe don't have access to therapy at the moment, so these are just hotlines where you can call and you can really have open conversations with people who mm-hmm. are willing to listen and to help you through it and who are trained in this specific um got it, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: got it, okay, yeah, especially I guess too, if a lot of their uh women or the women or people that are calling are from those areas. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly.
0: If they don't feel as comfortable or confident going to maybe their immediate circle or the police. Um...
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, tying back to what we spoke about earlier, a lot of women don't they they're afraid to talk to people that they know about it because they don't know if, you know, people will believe them. And sometimes you feel pressured to go to the police and to, you know, out the the person the the rapist or the person who yeah and a lot of people don't feel comfortable i think doing that which i think is also okay if you don't want to talk about it to -hmm. the cops and if you don't want to go to the court then that's fine too it obviously it's it's very emotionally draining and um i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if if you decide to sort of just call a hotline and talk to you know your closest family and friends about um, something that's so traumatizing and personal as well.
0: Yeah. It's like honoring where you're at. Mm. Oh, thank you for coming on and to talking about this stuff. It's fucking heavy. <laughs> I think that you know, the more conversations that we have though, the more work that is put out there, the more we create, the more art that is created. I think that that can only shift the trajectory or at least I would hope. Or it creates that possibility, right? That maybe didn't exist as much before. Definitely, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah. and thank Um, you for having me as well and talking to me about this. I mean, I know it's a very heavy subject, so I do really appreciate your time and energy as well. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, Is there anything – are you working on anything else right now? I'm – I know that you shared a little bit with me about it. So I have a little, like, (laughs) I'm not going in there completely blind because basically we're having a conversation in the airport right after we met a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) And both, both like kind of exploring new projects within the realm of sex work. And so I wanted to see where you're at with that i'm happy to share where i'm at i'm not much further than where i was at a couple weeks ago to be honest but
1: <laughs> same so i think outside of this podcast i'd love to talk to you more in more detail about it and i think Absolutely. we definitely collaborate i think that would be great i've actually been telling all my friends i'm like i met this awesome girl named kristen and we're gonna talk about like our projects together um, oh but for everyone else who has no idea what we're talking about <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, I am also currently um, in the research phase of writing a feature film about um, sex workers as well. And I know that our films are a little bit different. Um, and, and but maybe they can be one in the same. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. essentially, mine will be, yeah, about uh, tackling only fans as well, because that was something Ooh. that really sort of blew up around the time of COVID and how that um i guess pushes one one woman to decide to want to be a sex worker and how that felt really empowering for her and so it it's yeah. it's looking at sex workers from a positive uh viewpoint and and um also sort of opening up the narrative of shall should we legalize this and um if we do will women be protected and i'm arguing Yes to both things in my head. Yeah. Oh
0: I so mine is hers is feature right now, or it's feature. My I, the idea that I'm like percolating and researching is for a series. Um I don't think I've mentioned it on here yet. <laughs> <laughs> or for a pilot. And and yes, and I am standing or making the argument that it is empowering and that it should be legal as well. Um and also it's like fuck like, yeah, it's like okay, all these things that have impressed upon you when someone takes the objectification that's been put on there and is going to use that to her advantage (laughs) (laughs) or take the
1: reins. (laughs) I mean, exactly. If you're going to tell us that our only value in life is our sex appeal, then fuck you. We're going to take that and we're going to use it and we're going to make bank from it. And that's our choice. And you cannot, you, you can't look at that and, and sort of, diminish that and, and, and tell us that we can't, what we can do with our own bodies. Oh my mm-hmm. God, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Fired up. <laughs> And, our bodies our choice
0: and what how liberating it is and like i think within the sexual realm it's also very healing for oneself and for other people and so that innately is also very liberating and it has these like profound ripple effects on society and culture because people get tapped into like this innate source and good juju mm-hmm. <laughs> and can create you know from that to place too
1: so yeah, I know that you have so much to talk, uh, talk about on that front, and I'm so <laughs> curious to like-
0: Oh, yeah, we're totally- like, Let's set up a call, Um, this side note, <laughs> for like next week or so and to hash some things out. I'm excited oh, to chat with 100%. Let's do it. Okay. Let's we're going to keep one another accountable. That I, th- I find too within creative expression is important for me whenever I have like either friends or someone I'm working with to either- um, the accountability or just like
1: bounce ideas off or
0: collaborate or
1: whatever it is
0: it's it's so it's I cherish it and I know it works for me
1: yeah no me too and I think it's really important to also like have so many different conversations before you know creating any type of art that you're going to be putting out into the world because I think it's so important to have different world views implemented into something that you might not know that much about in the first place
0: yeah. Or I know like my little piece of it. Like I know my, some of my empowering and ways that I used to disempowerly, yeah, <laughs> in, in a disempowered way within the realm of like, say, sugaring. Mm-hmm. But so but there's other realms like OnlyFans or, or, I mean, there's so many different facets within sex work that I am not privy to. So I'm like, yeah, having those conversations brings other perspectives to the surface that you can then you know graciously utilize for creativity or to speak on something or use as a platform or boost it it's very awesome
1: yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um no definitely I think it's it's really cool to also tackle opinions that are different from your own in your films Mm -hmm. and then also sort of dismantling those a little bit as well so that other people who have those opinions also feel seen Mm -hmm. um and not just
0: bypassed or ignored
1: exactly exactly Um, because, you know, people think the way they do based on their worldviews and experiences and, you know, based on the things that they've been taught growing up from their, you know, surroundings and by the people that they surround themselves by. And I think that it would be really difficult for me to judge someone based on that, because if I who's to say that I wouldn't have the exact same thought with that person if I, you know, was in their shoes. And so, so I think it's always important to really under, to really listen to other people's worldviews and and try to understand where they're coming from.
0: Easier yeah. said than
1: done when it comes to uh, certain subjects, but you know, sure.
0: <laughs> I totally think that the conversations help create compassion. Yeah, and compassion does not necessarily mean that you're agreeing with whatever stance. And who's to say that like we have to like we have this you know urge or innate desire or or maybe longing or judgment or something to classify something as right and wrong or this is the way or that is the way and maybe there are multiple ways
1: (laughs) exactly exactly and also if you are you know making art or writing a book or making a film or doing something that tells your story and and you know showcases your opinion on something and someone watches it and has a completely different opinion then that's fine too like Mm-hmm. watch, watch the film, read the book, you know, listen to that song. And if you don't like it, then that's completely okay. Like you are entitled mm-hmm. to your opinion. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And just kudos for like following things that, you know, exploring where you really stand. Cause if you don't explore outside of like what you just innately or believe or taught to believe from upbringing and culture and all those things then how do you know what you really believe if exactly. you have a, the willingness to explore or know, find out where you stand
1: exactly i think it's really brave to you know have like you said have that courage to to look outside oh of your own bubble you know and to to really research outside of that space
0: yeah Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of like <laughs> junior high me <laughs> in like, you know, Southern Baptist realm. <laughs> would I have ever thought that I would be talking about sex work and making a case for it to be legal?
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause you, I mean, not that I'm generalizing, but you're like born and raised in Texas, right? So, like, there's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Deep in the heart of the Bible Belt, too. So,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> a lot there. Yeah. I mean, like, in, you know, you are from, like, a conservative realm, too, so yeah, you can only estimate, yeah, sure. assume what is the standard outlook on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be interesting to also, like, I mean, obviously not now because we only have, like, we don't have much time left, but, like, to, to also have a converse, open up a conversation about, like, why our opinions shift and when that happens and how that happens mm-hmm. and why it happens to some people versus other people who maybe were you know brought up in the exact same neighborhood and had very similar life experiences but one person decides that you know they want to go down one path and has all of, and decides that they want to become an atheist and you know it and the other person decides that they want to be a priest and why does that happen and where I think that would be very interesting to sort of discuss and dismantle it at oh some my point god probably... yes
0: I think that'll have to be a whole nother conversation yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's
0: a lot there. Well, it's it's so like much yeah, there. Mm.
1: i don't know i mean i'm, I'm just very curious like that. oh like me you. too yeah so i mean as actors of course we are we're so in- interested in people's like psychology i'm like it's the best part about being an actor you get to understand why a person thinks the way they do and do you have like a favorite type of character or role that you like to play i know what i'm
0: gravitating like story wise as far i like, like i love a good like i' say like If I'm going to read something, I love like a thriller or something like that. Mm -hmm. I love characters though, that portray, whether it's writing it or, or acting it, um, multifaceted. So it's like, not just this good or evil, uh, person. It's like all of the good, all of the light and shadow make up the whole. So Mm -hmm. like a dynamic person or character. Um, and maybe there is a little, like. Rebelliousness that I like. Also, since it had was so foreign for me for a while, or felt weird to tap into like sensuality or that sort of thing, I like doing that too. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, no, for sure. To step. So, you know, is there lot about you?
0: Do you have one?
1: I mean, yeah, kind of similar to what you said. Like, you know, multifaceted women who, or maybe like the strong girl who's struggling. Yeah, you know, someone who's just like going through the shits but ends up you know doesn't die at the end <laughs> yeah. or the, the like psychopath i think that's that's quite interesting to play i've never actually played a psychopath Ooh, but you know except either, for, like but... um eve not eve um eve is great though the the character from killing eve the bad mm. oh, i'm so yeah. bad with names do you watch have you watched oh. killing eve jodie comers character I mean... um she plays yeah. villanelle I think Villanelle could be a really interesting character to play.
0: Oh, wait. It's a series. No, I haven't it's seen this. I thought I was, okay. Oh, wow. No, now i got my next show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. It's
1: it's so good. It's really, really great. It's essentially about, you know, a, a psychopath. So I'm not going to tell you more, but you should watch it. It's really, it's okay. a great show.
0: I'll totally dive into it. Well, and thank you again for coming on. We have to close out here, but uh, cause there's so much more that i want to explore. Where can people stay in touch with you or connect with you or your film?
1: Probably Instagram is probably the best place. Um my Instagram handle is natalie ava nasser. so that's n a t a l i e a v a n a s r. And then the other one would be at Annie shared her location, which is the film's name. So if you want to like follow anything to do with the film and like festival highlights and all that kind of stuff, then follow that account.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in and listening and empowering your creative expression and helping to. Eradicate or alleviate, liberate people from sexual shame by listening. I think you're doing a, a part too. So, and if you want to connect with me, it's KristenBirdwell.com or Instagram. I'm there too. <laughs> and yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Kristen. This has been so lovely.